0: Hi, thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. Today we are concluding our mini-series titled, Finding Hope in Dark Places, and Caleb Thompson will be speaking on Habakkuk 3, verses 2 and 17 through 19. In this sermon, we look at how we can go from lamenting to praise. We see that we need to come to God honestly with our feelings all the while continually showing up and opening ourselves up to opportunities for new perspective. And finally, we need to wait expectantly for God, surrendering our expectations and timing. Going through this process can show us, in the same way it showed Habakkuk, how to find hope in dark places.
1: Sleeping. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Uh, Nolanda and I actually were just driving back from Nanton this morning. I don't know. Has anyone been to Nanton? Um, it's pretty cool. I know you're all wondering about the tourism down there. So if you want to ask us any of your burning questions after the service, you can. But we got away for a couple nights. Our daughter May was having a sleepover at my sister's place, uh, so we got away for a couple nights. I did my packing a little bit last minute, and I thought I was doing really good, and then this morning I realized I didn't have my belt. Uh, So you'll thank me for sitting down to preach again this morning. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're taking a brief look at the book of Habakkuk uh, right now, and so we're spending a couple weeks in this book. This is part two of our short look at the book, and it has a lot to say to us about Life in difficult days. Um, So, last week I introduced the book. We talked about the structure and some of the major themes. Um, For this morning, I actually want to start us off with a little movie clip, but first, let me just give you some context. So, in this series, we're talking a bit about lament, lamentation. Uh, We're talking about darkness and evil. And I was just thinking, I want to acknowledge that this is kind of uh, heavy stuff to sift through. The prophetic books are are challenging to read and to work through. And I know a lot of times I don't want to lament because I think I might get stuck in it. And uh, that reminded me of this scene from the cinematic masterpiece, The Princess Bride. So we're just going to watch this clip.
0: Don't even think about trying to escape The chains are far too thick I don't dream of being rescued either The only way in is secret Only the prince of the count and I know how to get in and out Then I'm here till I die? Till I kill you yeah. Then why bother curing me? Uh, the prince and the count always insist on everyone being healthy Before they're broken So it's to be torture.
1: I can cope with torture.
0: Don't believe me? You survived the fire swamp. You must be very brave. But nobody withstands the machine.
1: If you've seen the movie, you know what that's all about. Um, But sometimes... This is how lament feels to us. I think it's like the pit of despair. Uh, Oh, I don't want to go there. I'm going to get trapped. The chains are far too thick. Uh, There's no dream of being rescued. Sometimes that's how it feels. But the book of Habakkuk, actually, it begins with lament, but it ends with praise. And this is similar to a lot of the Psalms as well. A lot of Psalms begin with lament, but somehow the process of lamentation brings a new perspective, and the Psalms end with praise. So this morning, I want to focus on how this process occurs. How can we go from lament into praise? How can we enter the the pit of despair, but not become stuck there? And remember, the book of Habakkuk reads like a conversation between him and between God. So no one else is addressed in the book. No one else speaks. Habakkuk has a lot to teach us about prayer. So here's Habakkuk's guide to prayer. And this is what takes him from lamentation into praise. So the first thing that he does is he tells the truth. The next thing he does is he waits and he listens. And then the third thing is praise or contending. And we'll look at how those are actually uh, connected But this is Habakkuk's pathway through dark days. And it takes him from lamentation and sorrow to trust and praise. And I think this is similar to the pathway that's discovered in the Psalms as well. So first, telling God the truth. Habakkuk has his eyes open. He's being affected by his experience in the world around him. And he has a lot of challenging feelings. He's overwhelmed by the misery and the violence that he's witnessing, by the injustice of it all, like we talked about last week. But he's also angry that God seems to be silent in, his, in response to his calls for help. So This is what it says in Habakkuk 1, verse 2. How long, O Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Violence is everywhere, I cry but you do not come to save. This verse tells us Habakkuk has been at this for a while. He's been calling out to God in prayer, and he's become so frustrated that now he's, he's actually accusing God. He's saying God isn't listening, God isn't seeing, and God it doesn't come to save. And we have to pause and ask the question, is this... Is this accurate, what he's saying in this verse? Is it theologically accurate? I think of the story in the Old Testament about Hagar. Uh, The story will be familiar to many of you. But she gets caught up in Abraham's scheme for having a son. And she ends up as a single mother, uh, left with nothing. But God comes to her help. And she actually gives God the name, Jehovah El Roy, which means the God who sees me. And on top of that, she names her son Ishmael, and Ishmael means God hears. So here's two names for God that Habakkuk would have known. He would have been very familiar with these names and with how God has revealed himself in the past. But what Habakkuk knows to be true of God doesn't match his experience in the moment so he tells God, God, you don't seem to hear. You don't seem to see what's going on. And often I think we are a little bit uncomfortable with the idea of praying prayers like this. I know I am, because it feels inaccurate. You can't say that. But Habakkuk demonstrates to us that prayer is more about relationship and honesty than it is about accuracy. And at different times, I'm pretty sure most of us have probably felt like we've been asking God for help, and we've been met with silence, or what feels like silence. Sometimes this has to do with societal problems that we're bumping into. Sometimes it's personal problems. Often it could be both. Many times I think even a word of acknowledgement from God is all we want, just some sign that he's still listening and he hears us. And a lot of times this does come, but, but it doesn't always come. And in these moments, we need to know that the Bible validates that feeling like God is silent is a legitimate feeling in the human experience. So Daryl Johnson is a pastor and a professor at Regent in Vancouver. And he identifies six apparent problems that the Lament Psalms deal with. So I'm just going to read these for you, and these all come up in the Lament Psalms, and a lot of them are present in Habakkuk as well. The apparent silence of God, the apparent absence of God, the apparent inattentiveness of God, the apparent unfaithfulness of God, the apparent abandonment of God of his people, and the apparent incompetence of God. We know that Habakkuk has many of these same concerns. His second lament is all about how he's not so sure about God's plan, and he's questioning the competence of God's plan. But the Bible validates that these concerns are normal concerns. So these are difficult things to experience, but I think they become more difficult if I don't think it's normal to sometimes feel this way. And there's a few options for us when we're met with what feels like God's silence. One option is ending the conversation. It's to stop talking to God at all. To stop believing that he's there. It's too one-sided. God is not responding to me. I'm not getting anything back. God seems silent when I call on him. And I know a lot of people who have felt this way and who have made this choice to stop talking to God, and you probably do too. Maybe you've felt this way. Maybe you feel like that now. Maybe you're not sure if God is there. Or worse, maybe he's there, but he just responds to other people and not to you. But these are difficult realities. These are feelings that the scripture validates as normal, but that we often avoid in church settings. I've actually had multiple people tell me that they don't come to church anymore because it all feels very fake to them. And they can't sing the songs or pray the prayers because it doesn't feel honest to their experience. And I think this is at least one of the impacts of avoiding lament corporately as the church. But I want to say, too, there's another more subtle option that we can choose when we feel that God has been silent and that is to begin only praying safe prayers and only telling God the things that we think he wants to hear. And this is what uh, Tyler Staten, he's the lead pastor at Bridgetown Church in Portland, this is what he says about this in his book on prayer. We dwindle God down to a divine being just as overwhelmed and powerless as we are. And our prayers to that God are understandably vague and infrequent constantly overwhelmed lives should drive us to prayer at its purest and rawest but the tendency for many of us is to pray safe calculated prayers that insulate us from both disappointment and freedom god's apparent silence is extremely disappointing and so to protect it's easier to play it safe or Pray it safe. God didn't seem to hear me before, so I'm not going to ask anything too outrageous of him. But eventually we don't really expect God to actually intervene in our lives anymore. We kind of adjust our expectations. But Habakkuk shows us a path that's different than either of these. When Habakkuk is met with what feels like silence, He doesn't end the conversation, but he also doesn't reduce God's power or pray safe prayers. He gets radically and brutally honest with God. He gets angry with God. He gets upset with God. He lets it all out, and he tells God exactly how he feels. He tells God the truth, and this demonstrates actually radical faith and trust that God cares and is listening. I think it demonstrates real friendship with God. Habakkuk shows us that a mature life of prayer actually begins and ends with honesty. Okay, but he doesn't stay in lamentation. And this is the next point. The next thing he he does is he waits and he listens. But we want to take a look at how he waits and how he listens. So let me read Habakkuk 2 verse 1 if you want to read this with me Habakkuk says this I will stand I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at my guard post There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint This little verse tells us a lot about emerging from the pit of despair. So I'm going to try to break that down for us. Well, the first thing Habakkuk does is he climbs the watchtower. He gets perspective. This climbing the watchtower is all about getting the right perspective on things. Not just any perspective, but a perspective from above. This is about climbing out of the pit of despair. So there comes a process in Lamentation. Where you have to say to yourself, that's enough. It's time to move on, it's time to move up. And when we're sorrowful and lamenting, we're not always looking at the big picture. Lament makes our focus very small. We're looking at problems and issues and challenges and difficulties. This isn't a good reason to avoid lament. But God knows that we're human and we have a limited perspective but we can expand our perspective. And that's what this is about, this climbing the watchtower. Habakkuk climbs the watchtower to get in touch with the bigger picture um, and to see things from God's perspective. So he sees what we talked about last week, which is God's long-range plan. And he discovers that God is actually at work. It's just not on his timeline. And he discovers that God is not detached or removed from what's happening in the world. This is what happens when he gets perspective from the watchtower. And the next thing he does, excuse me, he stands at his guard post or he keeps showing up. So this watchtower guard post language is, is not very familiar to us. It actually fits a bit better in the Princess Bride uh, movie clip that we watched. But this is about a fortified city. A fortified city has a watchtower, and it has guards or soldiers that are posted around it. So we're not soldiers, you and I, not likely. But this is mostly metaphorical language. So all of us all of us, we could look around this morning, we all occupy a position in the world. Actually, we occupy many positions. So we take up space in the world, but more than that, we contribute to the world around us every day. And it doesn't matter what we do, we all get up in the morning and we give something to the people around us. We offer something to the common good of our community. And as the church, we actually have a high priestly calling. And this is a calling, a vocation, to offer prayers for the people that we see and interact with every day. To know that we're in their lives not by accident, but for a purpose. And to pray that they would encounter God and his kingdom and his love. And this is our guard post. And Habakkuk is in this situation, right, where the days are dark, the days are evil, He doesn't know what God is doing. He doesn't understand. He can't make sense of God's plan. And this is when it's most tempting, I think, to abandon our guard post, to give up on our calling. But Habakkuk says, no, I'm going to keep showing up. I'm going to lean in. I'm going to stay at my guard post anyways because I believe that God can keep using me even though I can't see how. So I was a youth worker for a number of years at the same agency here in Calgary. And it was a great experience for me. I had a great team. Some of my best friends to this day were with me on that team. But slowly over time, the agency was starting to change. So this is what happens a lot. A lot of social agencies begin very grassroots, Um, But then they grow. They grow very rapidly. And over time, they have to take on more corporate policies and things like this. I've seen it happen a lot. But my team was struggling because we weren't able to work the way that we wanted to anymore. And our program was becoming uh, more clinical and less humane. Uh, It was becoming more about outcomes and deliverables than it was about people. And this really bothered us. So I was in this space and I was asking God, why am I here? What are you doing? Why are you allowing all this to happen? And it was silent. And I remember saying to my coworkers, um, how much more of this are we willing to take <laughs> and handle before we quit? It was at that point. And I was thinking, I don't really want to be here anymore. It's, maybe it's time to move on. Long story short, we actually ended up being laid off. Um, So, there you go. That was a better scenario, actually. Um, But, on our last day there, our very last day, a young man came to see us that we knew very well. And I had done a lot of work with this young man. We had a good connection. Uh, We had some trust established. But this day he came in and he was heavily under the the influence of drugs. And as you can imagine, his behavior was very erratic. He was all over the place. And our drop-in space was a space for people to work on things, to uh, work on their lives, work on getting housing, different things like that. And so often when people were under the influence like this, we would ask them to leave and try again the next day. So we did that, and that seemed like the right Course of action, we took that course, uh, and he left. But thank God he came back, and he came right up to me and he said, Caleb, I took too much. And we had a clinic that was a part of our youth drop in, so I went to get some medical help. But he panicked and he ran away, because he was scared, he was getting a little paranoid. So we went after him, my coworker and I, we knew him the best. Uh, We had that trust established. He trusted us. We'd gotten to know him. We'd spent a lot of time with him. Um, So we went after him, and we brought a nurse with us. And uh, we caught up to him. And because we had that trust, we were able to get him the medicine that he needed to reverse the overdose. And I'm not tooting my own horn here at all, because I didn't want to show up that day. I didn't want to be there. Uh, And we even sent him away the first time. But by God's grace, I was at my guard post that day. And nobody could have filled my shoes. Nobody could have been there for me. Habakkuk teaches us, if we're going to make it through dark days, we have to keep showing up at our post. Even when we're saying, God, why am I here? Why am I amongst these people at this time? God says that you and I were born for such a time as this, for days like these. And my story from that day is, is dramatic. It happened to be a life or death situation that day. But most of the days that I had at that post were just ordinary. It was just cleaning up, getting to know people's names, having familiar conversations. Whatever your guard post is, You've been chosen and you've been appointed to be right where you are. And maybe that's especially true on the days that you don't feel like it. Now, there's one more thing that Habakkuk does, and that's he listens and he expects an answer. There I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. This maybe seems like a simple thing, but in this statement, Habakkuk commits to keeping the conversation going. Habakkuk didn't like the response that God gave him at first, but he kept talking to God. He made a second complaint or lament, and this is the end of it. But he commits to waiting and watching for an answer. In this moment, he surrenders to God's timing and plan. So, there are these situations in life that can be bewildering to us, that make no sense to us, but often with time we can gain perspective. So, the last thing that we learn about prayer from Habakkuk is to pray with expectation, to expect an answer from God. So, to recap all that, Habakkuk teaches us to pray honestly to tell ourselves and God the truth about what's going on. He teaches us to wait and to listen when we pray, to climb out of the pit of despair and lamentation so we can gain perspective, to stay at our post even when we don't know why, and to expect and listen for an answer. And this is what leads Habakkuk to pray this prayer, Jenny already read it for us this morning from Habakkuk 3:2. He says, "Lord, I have heard of your fame; I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day, in our time make them known in wrath, remember mercy." Living and praying this way becomes a path to finding hope in dark days. If we can go through this process with Habakkuk, if we can engage in lamentation but climb out of it again, our perspective on the days that we're living in can dramatically change. Because now Habakkuk is a person who sees the evil times that he's living in as an opportunity for God's deeds and fame to be repeated for the the works of God to be repeated. It's an opportunity now. And so I'm a part of this group, and it's called the Emerging Leaders Lab. It's with the uh, uh, Canadian Church Leaders Network. That's kind of a mouthful. CCLN. Um, but it's a group of young pastors from all around the country, and we meet monthly for a group session and a discussion. And this past Thursday... Um, we had our first meeting for the fall, and we got to hear from Shayla Visser. I don't know if any of you have heard of her, but she's the senior vice president of Alpha, the Alpha ministry. Um, So she came to talk to us uh, for that day, and she told us this story that really uh, challenged me and spoke to me. She told us a story about this opportunity she had to speak at Canada's National Prayer Breakfast. I don't know if you knew that Canada has one of those. I didn't know that, actually. Um, But her talk is on YouTube. It's called uh, Hope Has a Name. It's really powerful. So she spoke there, and just a little bit before, she found out that the Prime Minister and the leader of the opposition were both going to attend the breakfast. Um, She told us about these people. I don't know who they were. But they drove, they were, they're involved in politics in some way. They drove from New Brunswick, 10 hour drive, and they drove to pray over this breakfast. So they prayed the whole 10 hours that they were driving, and then they circled the building, praying over the building, and then they went to every table and they anointed it with oil and prayed over every table of the politicians who would be sitting at this prayer breakfast. Um, now later, so she, she, Shayla, she spoke at this breakfast. Later she got a chance for a private meeting with the prime minister, because apparently he has a young Christian woman who works in his office, and she was able to set up this meeting for them to get together. And this is what Shayla said. She was really humble and honest. She said, you can't share the gospel with someone you don't love. So she spent the day before repenting, for any negative words she'd said about the (laughs) prime minister. I'm like, that's awesome. (laughs) But she said it was a very powerful meeting, and she believes that the prime minister is is open to God. And I'm not sharing this to change your your opinion about the prime minister. That's not what matters. Um, But this is an example of someone, right, who's had her perspective on difficult days, radically changed, I think. And she said this to us in our meeting. This is what she said, and it really struck a chord. She said, if we believe as the church that we're on the edges or the fringes of society, we've gotten it all wrong. She said, we are at the center because Jesus is at the center. If, if culture is moving away, that's, that doesn't change the fact that Jesus is in the middle. He's in the center. It's culture that's on the fringe of what Jesus is doing. And she said this, but she doesn't just say it, right? She, she walks in it. Um, and I think this is what contending looks like. I put down praise and contend. It's contending for the deeds and fame of God to be repeated and known in our time, even when days are evil and dark. And this kind of hope, I think, is radical, And noticeable in days where most people are cynical and offended. And so I want to ask the question, can we become people who pray this way? Asking for the deeds and fame of God to be renewed and known in our time. Because this is not safe or calculated prayer. This is dangerous prayer. And I think it's the kind of prayer that Habakkuk invites us to.
0: Thank you for joining us today. For more resources to help further your study throughout the week, you can go to vbchurch.ca forward slash sermons.